to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, the pads are on for day six of training camp. We'll do the practice notes. We heard from Coach Mike McDaniel and another very entertaining press conference, plus some more player availability. We heard from the two top draft choices this past April in Channing Tindall and Eric Ezukama. We heard from Raheem Mostert, Trent Sherfield, Darius Hodge, and Duke Riley. A very fun day with some detailed notes at practice from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Well, we heard from Coach Mike McDaniel today. Let's go ahead and kick it off by covering his media availability. And I say this essentially daily because it's true. I just love when we get this peek behind the thinking and the philosophy of Coach McDaniel. And today he really had a great explanation of the challenges of coming into this league as a rookie and not just competing, but getting yourself I guess, in a competition against yourself to beat what you put on tape or put to work in the previous day, and how impressed Coach has been by his fourth-round rookie wide receiver, Eric Ezukama, who we'll talk to later on. And again, his, his uh, media availability, very impressive as well. Let's go ahead and start here with Coach Mike McDaniel on Eric Ezukama and the strife of a rookie in the National Football League. The, the strife of a rookie in the National Football League is so often underestimated and understated and uh, you have to realize that the grown men who have been playing um, NFL seasons for an extended period of time are uh, that have been making a living for their family um, and and doing so within the confines of a certain scheme uh, the that is a lot of ground to make up when you enter the league as a rookie. So I'll start by saying all like all players really, by and large, um, the biggest thing is getting better all the time. That not, you're not staying stagnant. Uh, and it's not if but when you make mistakes, how do, how do you correct them? Rookies especially, I, I, I try not to get ahead of myself and look at, well, we, he can do X, Y, or Z um, in a month when the regular season starts. It's specifically, and it's no more truer than for rookies, are they improving on things? Are they making the same mistake twice? That's one exciting thing about Eric is that he is learning um, a completely new language at a different speed and tempo um, I mean, it's r- the rookie trials are hilarious. I, I don't know why it's not talked more about more, but like the speed of the game, the pass rush, you don't have that much time to um, uh, for the, the quarterback doesn't have that much time to operate in the NFL game. And nine times out of 10, every rookie receiver that starts minicamp every single year lines up like four yards off the ball when they're off the ball. And it's like, 
that shows you how far they have to come. And so it, it is it is a it is a tough thing to accomplish to be able to um, in a short period of time. Um, but I've been very encouraged with how he's handled himself and corrected things. Um, that and the mistakes are changing. They're not the they're not the same ones, and that's what you want. So I'm happy about that. Coach is right, and to that point, how much more impressive is it now to think about the rookie seasons of Jalen Waddle, of Jalen Phillips, of Javon Holland last season? I mean, it's impressive what those guys are able to do coming off of a crazy year like that, not to mention for Javon Holland, who didn't play football in 2020, to have that rookie season with what Coach just described. Pretty impressive. Hopefully these rookies can get out there and have similar impacts this season. Up next, Coach was asked about pads coming on and the difference with pads. Here he is. Pads is obviously a big deal. It's a big part of football. Um, but, my, you know, one thing that I stress to the team this offseason uh, that, I, that I think is uh, I, tr- I truly believe is that if you practice the right way without pads, it's less significant when they come on. That doesn't mean they're not significant. It minimizes how significant it is. So, and I'm very happy with how we how we uh, practice without pads because we deliberately approach it as though we would have it. You put yourself in position to either block or tackle. Obviously, it's not the, not the same, and you can't deliver on the force as much. Um, so it is a very valuable spot, uh, valuable thing. I just, I would have been disappointed if I would have really been eager for the pads to come on um, like, wow, we, we really can get a look at this. Uh, I would have been disappointed. I'm not – the, the players have really um, owned how they've practiced without pads, so I'm excited. Um, but it's just another step uh, in, in the process. There are, there are some valuable, um, you know, run game trench stuff that, that comes from the backs being able to brace um, contact. That's super valuable. But – and – and so, yes, it, it does help evaluate the run game um, from blocking and stuff. I, I don't expect it to change drastically because of the way that we've um, approached and attacked technique um, on both sides of the ball. There's that term again, deliberate. And, you know, this kind of reminds me of like in the show Severance on Apple TV when they tell the employees to enjoy their compliments equally and not get too excited about one thing. Like the idea of saying, oh, pads are on, so now real football starts, that would then diminish the pre-pad practices and workouts, right? So again, just being intentional, being aware of the importance of every minute you get with the players on the field. And obviously the new CBA cuts back some of the practice time from one of the old days where with two a days, three a days, four a days. So to maximize the time you have with the guys, both in the classroom and on the practice field, and to do it with that intention, with that deliberate nature that coach is talking about, that's really good stuff there. Let's go ahead and go next here to coach talking about Raekwon Davis, who mentioned getting down and trimming some weight this offseason. Here's coach talking about that and Austin Jackson and getting guys to play at their most athletic peak. Here's Coach McDaniel. You know, it was it was kind of a concerted effort by the coaching staff, um, both, uh, you know, starting with Frank Smith and Josh Boyer, but, you know, trickling down to each and every position coach and their assistants, that the idea is to, to show them a vision of what we, we want to be. And on both of those, on both sides of the ball, um, in both retrospects, 
we it it behooves a player to be at their maximum athleticism, their maximum explosion, their maximum speed with flexibility, all of those things. So we did a good, I think, a good job in the offseason kind of um, really uh, painting that picture for them. Um, and it's to the player's credit that they've said, you know what, um, I'm all into this. I'm all in for this. Um, my career does mean something to me, and I don't want to have regrets after my career saying, you know, what if I was X, Y, or Z? So that's the thing that it wasn't like a, a straight mandate. You have to go and be this, that, or whatever. Um, it was kind of a play on, you know, my firm belief that players, just like coaches, just like people, they want to be their best. So if you show them um, without a shadow of a doubt that X gets them to that spot, um, if they're the right type of people that you want to have on the team, they they will respond and um, get to that point that best fits their physical prowess. Again, the same theme we've talking about here with these previous questions and answers about the the consequences, the repercussions of actions that you take, and the idea of going after players who prioritize the game, prioritize football. That the guys that you want to have in your building for their character and the way they work that when you have a player like that and a group of players like that, these requests become easier. It's the type of people, like he said there at the end, if you're the right type of people that you'd want to have on the team, they will respond to get to the point that best fits their physical prowess. Perfect. Nothing else to say there. Let's go next here to the question about coach being asked the if he found it difficult or challenging to scheme up the speed they have on offense, the luxury of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Here's coach talking about scheming stuff up for that offense with those two guys and the speed they offer. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the difficulties. Um, the guy who has three yachts has deciding which yacht to pick. Like, no, it's not, there's no difficulties with that. Um, the it, it's, yeah. It's very desirable, very fortunate, um, and you know, I whether I, I think competitive players that that you know are are willing to go out go out and say, yeah, we're the fastest in the league. Um, those, those are guys that are competitive, that are willing willing and want to prove it. And you, regardless of skill set, you have players like that on your team. You feel pretty good about it. So I I. I wouldn't there there's no um you, you don't need to shed a tear for our problems with, with our with our speed decisions but um the it uh, to me i think they're they, they talk about a lot of they talk about their speed a lot um which is cool um but they're also fast football players that block that um d do the things that teammates need to do um, when they're called upon to be a uh, uh, fast um, electric decoy, they do that. You know, I, I think that um, they're not fast guys; they're fast football players, um, and that's the that's the coolest part about them, and why why we don't really have issues. No comment. That just perfect. I, I love every single word of that. Let's go next to coach's reaction to the deep ball from two to Tyreek this past weekend. The one that caught social media a buzz. What was my reaction? Or uh, my reaction was um, 
they did exactly what I told them to do. Um, no, uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, that that's not the first time nor will be the last that they'll, they'll connect like that. I was, I was pumped because the, that the, the exciting part to me was that Tua did it at the appropriate time. He wasn't just throwing a long, he, he read the defense and, um, that's what he felt, and he did it with conviction. If you guys watch it, he did it um, in one-hitch timing, which is um, kind of how uh, we, we want the quarterback to do it. But um, the reaction was, um, what's the next play? Because, like, I mean, uh, there's if, – if I think everyone would be disappointed if we were satisfied with that. But, you know, that's what we're supposed to do when it's there. And let's go execute the next play. Something we've talked about in the podcast here the last few weeks, and I guess really the last couple of years since the inception of drive time, was Tua's ability to come off the top of the drop, hitch up, hitch up, and throw the ball downfield in the way that accuracy really stood out in Alabama. And so far through his Dolphins career here, when he gets those chances to step up in the pocket and throw the football down the field, saw it there, saw it more today. Coach talking about how happy he is with that, but the decision to throw the ball when it presents itself, you know, Holland coming across the one route and going up over the top the other way. Good stuff there from Tua. How about who has the fastest time speed at training camp so far? Here's Coach. It was funny because every time that um, that Tyreek isn't the fastest guy on the practice field, I make a huge deal like uh, with the team. I build it up like, Tyreek, congratulations, man. You've been working so hard. You got third. Like, we're all so happy for you. And, and it's like he gets – but um, I did it enough where it, it pushed him to – he, uh, Ty, Tyreek, um, uh, entered into the 23s, which is – you don't really see that often in practice. And um, he, he, all this speed talk is just making him go faster. So um, write what you will. So we've talked about the Dolphins' current roster occupying, like, I don't know, 33%, 40%, half of the – top time speeds on next-gen stats over the last, you know, going back to like 2016 with Tyreek Hill, Raheem Mostert, Jalen Waddle, the entire bunch. No one ever hit 23 miles an hour on those. So Tyreek is doing things that just don't happen. How about coaches take on this idea of helping players and people in the building maximize their dreams? He was asked about the conditions that he feels help make him able to maximize his dreams. Here's coach on being able to be himself here with the Miami Dolphins. Uh... Honestly, I I don't talk about it much, but the the people that hired me, talking about the um, owner Steve Ross, Chris Greer, Brandon Shore, Tom Garfinkel, um, and this atmosphere with everyone in this building, provided the perfect atmosphere um, for me to be who I was. Is what kind of they. Um, it was described to me they kind of needed, um, and you know they they knew when when they were hiring me that that they were hiring me and not some um, version copycat of somebody else. So I think th- this place um, more so than I've ever felt um, really in my career. I feel most at home, most myself, and um, which is for anyone, you know. Uh, kind of speaks to the type of culture we're hoping to um, perpetuate is that you, you there's an attachment to that and there's a um, 
a feeling that you can be your best self and get the most out of you in those types of situations. I do want to come back to that at the end of the podcast here because there was a good spot by Jeff Darlington on the Joe Rose show on Monday talking a little bit about Mike McDaniel. We'll play that guys play that for you guys here in just one second. To find the entire interview there with Coach, check out our YouTube channel, Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and come back on the other side and get to the practice report from Tuesday, August the 2nd. That's next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. We are brought to you by Auto Nation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tuesday, August the 2nd edition of the Drive Time Podcast. And hey, guess what? We got one for the orange jersey prediction. Zach Sealer shows up at practice after his dominant day on Monday. And if you didn't see him on the practice field in that orange number 92 jersey, well, the playlist would have told you because just the way Sealer plays, I always pegged him for an ACDC kind of guy. We got some of that. We got some Bachman-Turner overdrive and a fun story for you guys about taking care of business. My favorite sports team I ever played on was my junior year of high school basketball. We made the playoffs that year, had a good run. And uh, I brought in one time a boombox. That was back when those things were a thing. And I had my mother's Bachman-Turner Overdrive CD, and we would just play that thing on repeat after victories and then go get like pizza and soda like high school kids do. But, but I digress. And today I think I would pick the quarterback for the orange jersey because Tua was fantastic once again. The big highlight play was the 68-yard touchdown pass to rookie Eric Ezukama. I'll check back on social to see if it's up there yet. I'm not sure if we posted it, the video of that throw. I think that play was instructive of how his day went, Tua's day. And the relationship that seems to be developing between he, Tua, and his offensive line, with regards to the avenues we want to keep clean for one to navigate, to get to, to reset, when he has to come off the top of the drop and deliver an accurate ball. And what I mean by this is he's had a really strong pocket to work up towards, and then the tackles seem to really understand where that line is between danger, they're too close to the quarterback, and safety as they kind of fly by behind the quarterback so that Tua can step up and away from that danger. There just wasn't a heck of a lot of pressures today, and when there was, that was typically it. Like you had an edge rusher threatening the arc, but Tua would hitch up and the tackle would run the rush right beyond him, beyond that spot. And there's that relationship of the offense in terms of the run pass marrying up and how they're able to cultivate clean throwing windows that way too. It's It's been fun to watch, man. Six days in, and it really seems to keep getting better each day. Sat with my good buddy Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. You guys all know who he is. Uh, today with him and Joe Rose was up there with us as well. And Joe was talking to us about how impressed he's been by the cleanliness of practice, the minimal mistakes, balls not on the ground a lot. So it's not just me saying that. You love to hear it too. But back to QB1, 
the pocket navigation was was very good. The accuracy was as advertised. You guys know that by now. And we'll get to a soundbite here from Duke Riley in just a moment, who is golf buddies with Tua and says Tua is always teaching him things with the golf club when they go out. Also said that's an off-season thing now, and it's all about football right now. So a uh, good, good shift there in mindset. But I just thought it was funny that he's leading – players on the golf course too like hey do this with your putter maybe that'll work for you that soundbite from duke is talking about Tua handling pressure looks and his confidence and command of the offense again more on that in just a moment but against that you have to get the ball out quick right that's the purpose of extra rushers get to the quarterback before he can find the vulnerability of the blitz and so often today we saw Tua replace the blitz with the football it's what you want to do very quick very on point catch rock throw And that's good, but it's great when you can locate the ball in a way that the pass catcher can avoid breaking stride and take him right into the run after the catch. This was a very consistent occurrence at Tuesday's practice. Another thing I thought he showed was the confidence and ability to jam the ball into a tight window in the red zone. You had Tyreek Hill running away from the quarterback from the far hash, and he rips one over to the far sideline, and Nick Needham is right there. Like, if the ball's not with a requisite amount of velocity and location, it might be like a 95-yard pick six, but the ball just, in the way that it's stuck on Waddle in that social clip on Monday going up against X, the ball just zipped right by into a place where only his guy could get it, and Tyreek did, and that pass was straight-up sizzling. Really good stuff there from QB1. Finally, let's go back to Duke. Here he is complimenting his quarterback for how he handled multiple looks the defense gave him during Tuesday's practice. I think he did a good job, and I think it's a good thing. Uh, uh, I think it's really good that we're giving them those looks. You know, um, we obviously as a defense has a, have a lot of looks, and we you know we, we show a lot of different things, and we're making it we're making it harder for him. So I feel like we're giving him some of the hardest things that he'll see throughout the season. So I think that'll help him. Um, throughout the games and in in light game situations. And while we have him here, why don't we go ahead and play some more audio of Duke Riley talking about his quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa. I've seen a lot of growth. Um, I've seen a lot of camaraderie. Uh, Mike does a good job of, um, you know, he's an offensive-minded coach, so he's taking care of the offensive side. You know, we usually stay to the defensive side, you know, like, uh, I mean, even in defensive meeting, we don't see the offense really until it's time to go get someone on the field, you know, and it's a lot of it's a lot of electric, you know, a lot of speed, um, a lot of weapons for Tua. You know, that's a, that's, a, that's a great thing. It's like you got this guy covered, but then somebody else you got to worry about as well. So I think that uh, that's a good thing that Tua has. It's, it's a lot of weapons, you know. So I think, um, you know, I don't want to speak. At, he's doing a great job, you know. I, I love Tua. He's a, a really good – he's a better person um, than anything, you know. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who's going to hit you up almost every day in the off season to see how you're doing throughout the week and stuff like that. So um, I love Tua as a person, not even as a football player. I obviously love him as a football player, but Tua is a great person and a great friend to me. Back to the practice notes. I thought Skylar Thompson had his best day on Tuesday. He drove some intermediate balls on time and on target, including an absolute strike to Trent Sherfield that was up on social on Twitter. About 25 yards or 30 yards down the field on a back shoulder throw, throw, which was a hell of a catch, by the way. And I thought he showed you some of that quick twitch ability to get off the spot and improvise as well. And coach told us they were going to manage workloads with particular veterans. And so Skylar has had a chance to see some some extra work the last couple of days with an increased workload uh, with Teddy Bridgewater getting some periods off. And I think he's made the most of those opportunities. In the backfield also, I thought Chase Edmonds was once again fantastic on Tuesday. I just marvel at his ability to not throttle down for more than just like a half a B 
beat as he reads his blocks and executes his cuts. This also helps him set those blocks up to give his guys better leverage in the running game. And he ran behind Rob Hunt on one play today with a pulling guard play uh, to lead Edmonds just with a big burst and clean into that second level. And that was the case a lot today. Plenty of chunk runs from both Chase and Raheem Mostert. Really good day for the offense on Tuesday. And speaking of that line and Rob Hunt, I thought he was fantastic. Move people, got push, didn't surrender anything I saw in pass pro. He's quietly been really damn good this camp. And then Austin Jackson was creating some buzz among the media that I was sitting with for his performance today. We all agreed that he was selling some good edges in the running game and helping keep that pocket clean for the quarterback. Thought Liam Eichen had some big blocks in the running game and Connor Williams the best way I can describe his impact is he's just part of all of it whether it's helping on a double on a climb on his own or a catch and climb with two guys getting out in space he's making noise with his play and particularly today where I think the line was at his at, at its best I also thought Kellen Deesh had some really good pass pro sets he seems to be getting very comfortable with where his pass set landmark is and then the ability to smoothly transition that weight back inside when players try to spin back in rip swim whatever it might be thought Larnell Coleman had some good work today as well. He and Greg Little getting some opportunities, and you really notice both those guys and their athletic ability. The pass catchers, Mike Gesicki caught everything. He was eating in the short and intermediate. Mike's always been a long strider, right? Like he kind of builds up to his speed. That's where I really noticed the ball location with Tua, and it was getting these quick throws to Mike in space for him to chew up yardage. I also noted that Hunter Long had some really good blocking work on some of those nice runs, and Seathan Carter had a nice grab in teamwork in addition to some of his own success in the running game as well. Tyreek and Jalen, what else do we got to say? I mean, the first pass of team was Tyreek getting free from X and catching and running for about 30 yards. He then gets the third play of practice for about 25 yards. This one, all air yards. Jalen Waddle caught a touchdown from Tua at the end of practice. You'll see the video of that kind of working back inside on a short uh, throw in the red zone down around the five-yard line for that touchdown. He also had the prettiest catch in practice on a sideline ball from Skylar Thompson. Ball was up a little bit high, but 17 wasn't too high for him to climb that ladder, snare it, tap the toes. Very special talents, these two guys. How about rookie Eric Ezukama? Talking about him earlier. He had the play of the day on a deep ball. I mentioned two of his contributions to the play in the pass pro, but what I loved about Eze was with the ball in the air, doing a little bit of jockeying for position with the defensive back, you saw him kind of slingshot with that veteran arm bar to give him that space when the ball is on its descent. That little extra separation to run right under it and continue on to the end zone for the score. We'll hear from him here in just a moment. What a start so far to camp for number 87. I think today of all days, I would say was the most lopsided victory registered by either side. Pretty much every day has gone back and forth with lots of wins for either side, but the offense on Tuesday really got it done. On defense, Christian Wilkins, he started practice with one of those reps that he does every day where he blows through the line and shuts a play down for a loss. Like every single damn day with that guy, he's playing, he's picking up where he left off last year. I thought rookie Ben Still had some good work against the run, stacking things up. He's popped a little bit early on here in training camp. Emmanuel Ogba, the defensive end, had a couple of pressures, including one where the initial rush was sidestepped by Tua, but Ogba had great eyes on the quarterback. Keep your eyes up on the quarterback because in today's league, when guys are so frequently going to be able to bounce out and use their athletic ability to extend the pocket, extend the play, and improvise, he's able to keep his eyes up and work back to the quarterback and shut that thing down. And to get a loss with a sack opposed to the quarterback, breaking the pocket and improvising off script, Big plays come from those. It's a big-time play from Manuel Ogba. Alandon Roberts was on the was the one on the flyby on that initial uh, pressure we talked about there with, with Emmanuel Ogba. 
Roberts was active today. I thought Jerome Baker had some good pursuit on outside runs. His speed never slumps. Speaking of speed, Sam Egwavon today brought the, the thunder, had a, what would have been, I think, the biggest collision of camp if it were live. He sees an inside run, pulls the trigger, gets downhill, and meets Savon Ahmed right at the line. Channing Tindall had a pressure that forced Skylar Thompson to kind of double clutch, move and try to throw the ball in another direction away from him. And there was Brian Scarlett to swat that thing right back in the face. So Tindall continues to make plays. Melvin Ingram had an impressive rep early on in practice where he ran through a block and stopped the back right in his tracks. Also had some nice pass rush work too, showing off that arsenal that he's built up over the last decade. And then DeAndre Johnson had a couple of pressures. So did Porter Gustin and Cameron Good was in the notes with some pressure as well. And then Darius Hodge continues to really impress. Man, he can fly. That first step quickness, athletic ability, he can really bend around the arc, and he's striking offensive linemen with force. We'll hear from him here in just a moment, but he's having a strong camp so far. And finishing up in the defensive secondary, Sheldrick Redwine showed one of the things I thought really popped on both his college and Cleveland Browns tape, coming from depth, breaking down, and making a sound tackle, tagging off in this instance, obviously. But I knew I had seen that before on his tape. And then Keon Crossan with him, too, same story. Continues to make a play a day against the short passing game. He's very good at getting around blocks and blowing up screenplays and things of that nature. And Brandon Jones had one of those run stuffs where he times his run into the backfield perfectly. It reminds me so much of Madden. When you turn offsides off and your guy just like runs into that invisible wall running in place, and then you get the best get off you can possibly get because of that. It's uncanny how he does that and explodes into the backfield to shut down the running game. That was pretty much it. We'll go ahead and take our last break here and get to player media, Trent Sherfield, Darius Hodge, Raheem Mostert, Channing Tindall, and Eric Azukama. That's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. We are brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's pick it back up here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast and start here with some media availability from veteran wide receiver Trent Sherfield. He was asked about Coach Mike McDaniel and some of the emotional intelligence for understanding how to communicate with players. His answer was fantastic. I want to go ahead and play that for you guys here. Here's Trent Sherfield. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's very, very high. Um, you know, to me, what stands out to me is that he's the same guy that he was in San Fran. Um, you know, he didn't come here you know, get a head coaching job and then all of a sudden just change, you know, he's, he's been that way. He's been that same guy, same guy. He's going to keep you on your toes. He wants to, you know, be, you know, be, be player interactive. You know, he's, 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 play, he's a player first, he's a player first coach. And, um, you know, he's, he's very aware. He's aware of his surroundings, you know, very, very intelligent person. And um, man, I'm, 
I'm, I'm grateful to be playing for him again. You know, um, like I said, the, the, the thing that I can respect the most is that he still might. You know, he's, you can go up and talk to him at any any time. You know, he's not somebody who's done his shield off and doesn't want to talk or anything like that. Like, ask you about your family, and, you know, anything outside of football. So that's that's the type of person that he is, for sure. Thought you kind of noticed some natural leadership there from Sherfield and his media availability talking about Mike McDaniel. And we'll have that same question post to Raheem Mostert here in just one second. But I wanted to go in this direction with Sherfield again when he was asked about his favorite thing about working with quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. I think my favorite thing about working with Tua is his response. I think that's my favorite thing. Tua can go out and he can make a mistake. And the very next play, he's out making a much better play, an eye-popping play. I've worked with Tua all summer this offseason, and it was great to learn from him. He's a great leader, a great quarterback, and I can't wait to get out there and play with him. <laughs> the good stuff there from Trent Sherfield. Let's move next to Raheem Most. Raheem also told us he doesn't sweat, which is crazy, especially down here in this weather. Uh, next, he was asked the same question that Sherfield was asked about the emotional intelligence of my Mike McDaniel, here is Raheem Mostert. His emotional intelligence, he's very emotionally connected with the players. And uh, for for him to be in a position where he went from assistant coach to head coach um, and having that, you know, that role for the first time, it just shows you the type of connection that he's trying to build here um, with the team. We all go out here and we uh, we put on and, and do, whatever, do whatever we got to do for ourselves, for our family, for the organization. Um, and Mike instills that in us he helps us with those those attributes so um without without that you know that emotional connection the ties you know you you can't really sit here and say that somebody's going to be successful um like the way mike has thus far in his career so it's only right that you know we keep that keep that train going Coming off that answer, I wanted to play some sound here from Jeff Darlington on the Joe Rowe Show, August the 1st. The Joe Rowe Show with Zach Krantz. Uh, here's Jeff Darlington talking about Mike McDaniel. Just wanted to play this for you guys. He's a wonderful human. Like, when you get to know him, his authenticity is through the roof. Players love him. When he was coming down here, I talked to a bunch of guys with the 49ers, uh, a ton of them. And I'm talking from all different walks of life. And they would stand in front of a truck for him like he is i'm telling you if you just think he's weird it's because you haven't gotten to know him he is awesome and i i don't know what it's going to equate to in wins and losses but if you spend some real time with him and not just get weirded out by his eccentricities you are going to love him he is awesome i promise you that let me let me say this too this start these first four practices have been energetic well run, um, getting the most out of them, organized, uh, productive. Yep. They've been they've been fun to watch. They don't look sloppy. It looks you no, know dirt, man. Yeah, no, it looks like he's been around for a while. And by the way, yeah, what a let's, what let's a coaching staff. Dolphins, yeah, Dolphins fans should love his eccentricities. You know why? Because if it wasn't for some of those like quirkinesses, he'd be a head coach already somewhere else winning games. So the Dolphins fans should be glad that. The, this management team saw beyond that and gave him an opportunity because everybody else couldn't. This is his only head coaching interview he's ever gotten. And he is right there with Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur and all those other guys. He has been with them the entire time. The only reason he wasn't getting job interviews is because he was a little more eccentric than everybody else. I mean, how good is that? Let's go ahead and finish up with some more player media availability, starting here with linebacker Darius Hodge talking about his comfort level now heading into his second year with the Miami Dolphins. Yes, I am. Um, you know, just trying to buy in with the team, you know, learn from the older guys. You know, you can never learn too much. So just trying to take what I can from them and see what happens this year. 
So we talked a little bit about Eric Ezukama with Coach McDaniel and the growth that he's shown and the ability to take on so much. I wanted to ask Eric about that and how he's been able to get out here and play fast and get himself pro- uh, some production early in the early parts of training camp. Here's Eric Ezukama on his process to the mental side of the game and how he approaches getting ready to get himself to be ready. With me, man, I just I just go and I draw every play uh, every day. They, they give us a script and I just draw every play before I go to sleep just so I can mentally see it and then and then the next day, read it over before we go out to practice. And, you know, I, I do my best day to day to grasp the information and, and go out there and make plays. And how about how his role at Texas Tech prepared him for the NFL here with the Miami Dolphins? In this offense, here's the Dolphins' rookie wideout. Um, being in Coach Cumbie's offense, with Cumbie moving me uh, around to the slot outside and in, in the backfield, I feel like with this offense, you know, it helps me uh, emphasize that part of my game as well. So I feel like with that, it helped me a lot. Finish up here with fellow Dolphins rookie Channing Tindall. He was asked about the message to him and trying to get this defense picked up, get his uh, his feet wet as an NFL linebacker. Here's what he talked or what Coach Campanelli has talked to him about his message about how to approach training camp here in his rookie season. Uh, I feel good about it. Coach Camp, specifically in my room, he always just preaches, uh, you're going to make mistakes, but not to make the same mistakes twice. So that's all I really be focusing on. Like when I go out there, I'm mentally taking notes of whatever I got to do until like I master just repetition. All right, that is going to do it for us here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast. The Tim Bowens episode came out earlier today. You don't want to miss that. Also, the Twitter Spaces show every single Wednesday with the hosts of the Fish Tank and myself, Seth Levitt, OJ McDuffie. We are 8 o'clock every single Wednesday. Also, the YouTube channel for media availabilities for Dolphins today, as well as some of these uh, interviews with the players uh, and drive time interviews and the fish tank interviews. Tons of content for you guys up there on the Miami Dolphins YouTube channel. And of course, last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com for the photo gallery, the written notebook from yours truly, and much, much more. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. Fins up. Caroline, daddy, is coming home.